In the last podcast, we talked about the educational system in the US and we looked a bit um, closer into the secondary school system. And in this um, video today, I want to look a bit more in the, into like the tertiary education and maybe just as a, as a summary from last um, week's podcast, um, maybe I repeated and you, you tell me if I got everything correctly. So in terms of how you get actually get to university, you said it's, it's a combination of your high school grades then one of the standardized tests like either the SAT or the ACT and it is also your extracurricular activities so did I understand that correctly? That is correct so it's a comprehensive uh, kind of uh, um, source of information that schools use to, uh, to, to determine if they want to accept a student. And then I would have a question regarding that, um, and I don't know if you if you can answer that. But so so what what do you, what do you think? Like if if I if I look at that, um, let's say you have two students, right? So one student, let's say, has okay grades from high school, has an okay test score, and has done a lot of extracurricular activities, maybe played in the, in the school band or played a sport or was doing a lot of community work or something or worked in projects outside of school. And then you have a student who has outstanding high school grades and a very good test score, but has done very little or nothing extracurricularly. Do you think like that... Um, This, this makes a difference that a university, because I mean, this is just an assumption from my part, but for example, the reason why I'm asking is that in um, the German university system, what I told you already, they would definitely take student B, the one who has the best um, um, test score grades or the best grades from high school and the, the highest test scores and like the, you, your, the, the personal aspects about yourself or what you've done outside of school doesn't matter at all. So I'm wondering if, if that really matters to that extent for the, you know, for getting into a university? Well, I think in general, yes, it does matter because these pieces of, of data, right? A student's uh, grade point average, their test scores. Uh, schools want to be able to say, we're accepting the, uh, the best incoming class of, of students this year based on their GPA or based on their test scores. And so, yes, it, it does make a difference. Um, but at the end of the day, the schools also want to uh, accept students that are going to be successful, right? That are going to end up graduating because graduation rates are also uh, a piece of data that schools uh, and the government actually looks at to determine how successful the school is. Okay. So I think it's, uh, okay. it is important that students uh, have good grades and score well on, um, on the standardized test. But there's more to that uh, when it comes to uh, university uh, and, um, and becoming a more well-rounded, accomplished uh, individual by the time you, you graduate. Because if, if you only... Uh, And when, once you get into university, if you only spend your time studying in the library and you're not participating in, you know, extracurricular activities at the university, then 
uh, the idea is, yeah, maybe you'll, you'll walk out and you'll graduate uh, with, you know, really good mm-hmm. grades. Uh, but are you ready for the world that awaits you? Uh, mm-hmm. so, so, you know, so, based, on, mm-hmm. based on that. So the American educational system sees a connection there, right? So they see a connection between how well-rounded the person is, and it's not just the grades, and what they can actually achieve, you know, professionally, maybe personally, and, and later in their life, right? Is that, is that correct? Well, for sure, because a part of university is, is developing well-adjusted people, right? People that uh, uh, have a good temperament, right? That can adjust to changing situations. And if you only study and you have really good grades, that's not really indicative of your ability to be able to be well-adjusted when it comes to, uh, you know, surviving in the, in the larger, you know, world and larger society. So uh, universities want to accept students that are going to, uh, to participate, you know, in the, the, the university community, because that may be indicative, uh, you know, for life after after university. Interesting, because like I said, from from my experience of studying in the U.S. and, and Germany, I, I think there's there's a, there's a big difference there in kind of you know how much that actually matters. Because I think like the focus, I mean, that might also be in other countries that the focus on like the you know, the academic part of like school and the university experience is, is much more important than anything else. And I mean, I don't really see that from when I started in Germany, that there was something in the place that would develop you as a, as a you know, as a more well-rounded person or something. Yes, we have, you know, extracurricular activities, but I think the the difference that I've already like, you know, notice and picked up on, like in our last podcast about secondary schools, that there's a huge difference in, we might have one thing or the other as well, but how it's actually viewed and perceived and the importance it has in the educational system as a whole. So, so that was interesting um, to see. And my next question would be maybe also a little based on like the, you know, the American films I've seen about this kind of topic, like, you know, is how um, important is it for, you know, let's say the, the average American to actually get to a university, you know? Because when you watch like films, you know, they, they always, I mean, also depends of kind of what genre you watch, but there's, they always make a point of, you know, that, you know, the moment the parents know that, you know, or that they are expecting a, a child that they are saving up for college and stuff. And like, this is like for us in Germany, I mean, you know, university is, is for free in, in Germany. And that's kind of an, an, an interesting concept. So I wanted to ask you about that. How, how, do, how does that, you know, how is this, you know, perceived and what does it mean to, to an American or, or what does it mean to a family? You know, maybe also what it meant to you personally. Well, I think uh, going to university or being, let's say rather being accepted into university is to some degree a rite of passage, right? You're, you're passing over from, uh, from being a child to being an adult and uh, being in control of your own destiny uh, and uh, charting the path for your future. And so uh, starting from a very young age, and as you said, even 
at birth, many times parents uh, already start thinking about how uh, they can prepare for that moment mm -hmm. when their child will leave the nest, right? Leave the house, go out on their own uh, and start their own, uh, their own life's journey. Uh, and so it's a very significant moment uh, for most uh, students in the United States to, um, to be accepted. I remember, uh, well, in general, uh, when you're in high school, uh, you are uh, advised to apply, you know, for many different mm -hmm. schools, many different universities. Um, you may have a favorite or you may have a couple favorites that you want to get mm -hmm. into. Uh, so uh, schools that were, were, uh, were schools that I um, didn't know if I qualified for that were reach schools, uh, but I wanted to try to, um, to get into. And then there were safe schools, schools that I felt confident that mm -hmm. I would get accepted into based on my grades, my test scores, my extracurricular activities. But I remember when I got my first uh, acceptance letter into a, a university, I was so excited mm -hmm. because I knew that I would be going mm -hmm. to, uni to university. Uh, yeah. So uh, I knew that my my path forward had mm -hmm. the door had been opened right to my path okay. forward uh and then i started getting more acceptance letters and it's a it's a great feeling as as mm -hmm. a as a student right because yeah. it's kind of confirmation that all the hard work yeah. that you put into high school um is paying off right and it's a very for most students it's a very exciting moment many students keep these acceptance letters uh do you still have yours I, I think I still have mine at home somewhere. <laughs> um, and, and, and to be quite honest with you, uh, many students keep the rejection letters as well because you get those rejections, rejection letters as well saying you didn't get accepted in. Uh -huh. um, and many students use that as, you know, motivation, mm -hmm. right, to, um, you know, to apply again. So, uh, yeah, it's a big moment uh, for most students. Okay, interesting. So, do are there um, you know students who apply at different universities and are actually not accepted anywhere? Does that happen as well, or is there always like do you always get accepted at at, a, at one of these like you know universities that you that you applied for? Well, it's not guaranteed. So again, uh, your all of your grades, test scores, extracurricular activities, everything that you do. Uh, sometimes the schools require you write an essay, different things mm -hmm. in order to, as a part of the application process. But uh, in general, there's no guarantee. Every student has to apply. Uh, but again, your counselor will advise you and say, okay, you know, okay. tell me. me where you're in a safe choice is this a reach you know is this a school i know you want to mm -hmm. get there or you want to go there but it may be a little bit beyond okay you know where your test scores and your grades you know will place you um so you have a conversation okay. about it and you hopefully apply to a range of schools mm -hmm. so that you know you do you know get accepted into at least one of them and you have mm -hmm. you know a place to go but there's no guarantee that you will get into you know to any any university Okay. Um, you, I mean, I already mentioned that and I was assuming that, you know, the, the listeners um, know this, but in, compared to Germany, like I said, I mean, um, tertiary education in Germany is 
more or less for free. Yes, you have to pay a small fee every every semester or every year, but that's different in the U.S., right? Uh, to put it nicely, yes, it's very different. <laughs> so, um, how much? Because, like I said, I mean, like I said, in the films, it's always like more jokingly, um, like this kind of idea that to save up for college, but how expensive actually is that? Like, of course, it depends to which university to go to, but if, if you would, you know, can you say like give an average amount that it would probably cost you to do, I don't know, a bachelor degree and a bachelor's degree and maybe then a master's degree or something? On different factors. So depending on where you live, so if you go to a college or university uh, in the state where you live, generally it's cheaper than if you go to a college or university that's outside of the state where you live. Why is that? Uh, what is the, do you know what's the, the reason behind that? Well, I, I, I don't know the exact reason, but mm -hmm. I, I imagine it's because the universities uh, can, of course, charge a higher rate for students coming outside of the state. Because in general, uh, schools want to educate the people in their mm -hmm. state, right? They want mm -hmm. to create a populous citizen, citizenry in their state that is educated and well-informed. And so the idea, and, and many of these schools are public schools. So mm -hmm. I, I think there, you know, there has to be or an understanding I that in the, in the U.S. we have public schools and private schools. So mm -hmm. um, the public schools, of course, are there for the public of that state and want to educate the public of that state but they're not necessarily going to turn away students from outside mm. of the state. This mm. is why we have students from other states. We have students from other countries that come to the school and they, they're valuable as well. They're assets to the school as well because they make the school more diverse, mm. but mm. the cost that you pay uh, will be different depending on where you live and where you're coming from. Uh, and so generally if you are going to a public school in the state where you live, it's cheaper than if you mm -hmm. go to a school that's outside of the state. Okay. Um, it also depends on the size of the school. It depends on the funding that the school gets mm -hmm. from the government. Okay. Uh, but when I was going to school, and I, don't, I can't speak for at this very moment because I haven't been in school now for 10 years, but when I was going to school, it was more or less per, uh, per semester um it was more or less about eight thousand okay. dollars a semester okay so how many uh, semesters are there in the year two then right there are two semesters in the school year yes yeah. so it would be 16 around sixteen thousand dollars for one year of studies more or less okay yeah now uh, keep in yeah. mind i went to a school in my state okay so um that amount mm -hmm. is less than if i were going out of state uh, the other part of it, too, is uh, many students get assistance uh -huh. from the government okay. because of these costs, right? So not every student comes from a family that was able to save enough money for their child to go to university. And so they get assistance helping uh, to help pay for um, this tuition cost. Interesting. And then for a bachelor de bachelor's degree, you would have to be at university for four years, right? Depends on the field of study, but in okay. general, yes, it's, it's a okay. four-year. Um, okay, because I'm, I'm just study. trying to roughly calculate. So you could say like, I mean, 
again, that was 10 years ago, but um, it, it would be like, you know, if, if we say, okay, $15,000 a year and you need that for four years, you know, that's $60,000 in, in, you know, that's basically that you have once you're finished with your bachelor's degree, right? And compared right. to, let's say, someone who studies in Germany who pays 100 euros in fees every semester or something. So that's, that's, a, that's a huge difference. Um, maybe this is something that, um, yeah, is interesting from our point of view to understand as well. What, what does this actually mean for you if, if you are a student? Let's say you're not from, you don't come from a wealthy family that, you know, that it's just like, you know, I know, you know, money that you can afford as, as, a, as a household or as a family. But let's say, you know, you, you, you're the average American. How, how do they deal with that? That, you know, even for, let's say, a normal bachelor of, or bachelor's degree at maybe an in-state university, you have, a, have debts of like $60,000 when you, at the age of, let's say, I don't know, 22 or something when you leave university. Like, how, how do you how do you deal with that, you know, and, and how does it affect, you know, in terms of like finding a job, you know, paying off your debt and, and, and stuff. Maybe you can give, give us an insight yeah. there. So I, I think in general, when you're 18 or 19 or however old you, you are when you graduate and you ready, you're ready to go to university, um, it's hard to conceptualize uh, how much money is going to take for you to be able uh, to complete a bachelor's degree. Uh, so uh, because you get assistance from, generally most students get some form of assistance from either the government or private entities, uh, it's very easy in general to get this money to go to school and to get an education. Uh, so you, you don't really conceptualize it so much because you never really had the money to start with, right? It's just basically money that's that's kind of loaned to you to go to school. You only conceptualize it once you graduate. And then you get that nice letter from the student loan company saying, hey, you know, now it's time to start paying on these loans. Uh, and so uh, we as, as students in the United States or as Americans, we, it's kind of a cultural thing, right? That mm -hmm. you're going to come out of school and you're going to have student loan debt and you're going to have to start paying on it in some kind of way. Uh, but it does, uh, I think, uh, make it difficult uh, mm -hmm. for you to chart a path forward because uh, depending on the amount of your student loan debt and how much you have to pay back, uh, may determine what type of job you take or what type of jobs you apply for uh, and, uh, and what type of career path you, you go into. Uh, because in general, I, I, I can't speak on what the average student no. uh, finishes with in, in debt, but uh, it's usually tens of thousands of dollars. Mm -hmm. uh, and um, when you start paying back these student loans, uh, you have different options. At, at the okay. current moment, you have different options for paying back student loans. You can pay them back at a standard rate. So the standard rate is you take the total amount of your student loans and you divide it by 10, 10 years. Uh, 
and you know whatever that comes out to per month that's what you pay on a monthly basis uh many students can't afford that um, mm -hmm. based on the amount of their student loans so what they end up doing is going on a uh, some kind of repay income based repayment plan okay. so the re the re uh, repayment of your student loans is based on your income mm -hmm. uh and uh and so your your monthly uh, your monthly student loan repayment is based on some calculation. Okay. That the government does to depend on a discretionary money that you have each month. So they look at your job, they look at how much you're earning and they do a calculation. They say, okay, you should have this amount of discretionary okay. income left over we're going to charge you 10% of that. So 10% of that is what your monthly okay. um, mm -hmm. student loan repayment you know, amount is. Mm -hmm. So there are options for repaying these student loans, but the problem is when you go on a, a repayment plan, an income-based repayment plan, these plans are over 20 years or maybe even 30 mm -hmm. years, right? So you, know, you graduate at 22 or 23 and Let's say you don't even go to graduate school. Let's just say you stop no. and you start working, uh, you know, for the next 20 years. So until you're in your mid 40s, maybe even <laughs> maybe even, you know, early 50s. Right. You're still paying on student loans. Uh, so this is the issue that mm -hmm. uh, th that uh, becomes very real to a lot of students. Uh, when they finish uh, their, well, I don't want to say, not even when they're finished, because to be quite honest with you, even if you don't graduate, you mm -hmm. still owe you these still student loans back. Mm -hmm. You still have to pay them back, right? So mm -hmm. uh, so whenever you stop or end your, your education, that's when it becomes real. And that's mm -hmm. when the reality hits in or sets in that, you know, now is the time to, to start repaying these. Do you think like um, that these, because I'm guessing this is affecting a, a, a big number of students that are graduating. Do you think this, this also has an effect on, you know, the economy of, of a country that basically you have a huge number of your, you know, future workforce that has a lot of debts and maybe cannot get the job that they would really like to do or be good at. And they have to, you know, go for something maybe that is available at the moment because they cannot afford you know, sitting around for two, three years and then to wait until the perfect job comes up or, you know, because I'm, I'm assuming that, you know, with this kind of debt that you don't have all this freedom to, to look for the, you know, the right job. And, you know, maybe you, you, you end up having to do something that you're not, that wasn't really your, your passion or what you studied or something. Is this something that is, is this like a, how do you feel about this or what do you think is, so is, is, is an issue? So it's definitely, uh, I think, uh, a drag on the economy because uh, in a prior episode, we talked about the American dream, right? And yeah. what it means to achieve the American dream. Uh, and when you have student loan debt that you have to factor into that equation, it makes it much more difficult to do things like buy a house, to buy a car, you know, to do uh, adult kind of things, right, in your life. Uh, and so... Uh, this is this is a hot topic in the United States about what what the mm -hmm. government should be doing to assist uh, students that have student loan debt because mm -hmm. the idea and the thinking is uh, if 
students did not have student debt or if students had a lot less of student yeah. debt, then the economy would uh, grow more than, than what it is currently because these students would have more buying power, right? They would have mm -hmm. much more flexibility in uh, spending their money and being consumers. Interesting. I mean, I don't know if you can answer this question. I don't know. I couldn't answer it. It's just an assumption I have to make. But why do you think some countries, you know, basically have fees for university and others don't? Like there are, there's, a, there's a certain number of countries like, so you don't have to pay um, anything if you want to go to university in countries like Germany, Norway, Sweden, Finland, also Czech, like um, Czech Republic is another country, France, Belgium. Greece, Spain, and and where, wh why why is this different? What do you, what do you think? Like because I know I mean for example in Germany like you know if you don't pay the university needs to get the funding from somewhere right and do you think this is actually possibly in the U.S. to where would the money then come from to the universities you know to to pay for I don't know staff or what they are doing. Well, I think uh, you, the countries you just listed uh, maybe place a higher value on education than, than the United States because, listen, uh, it's free in Germany and it's free and, and Spain is free in all these other countries that you just mentioned, but somebody's paying for it, right? I mean, mm -hmm. you pay for it generally through higher taxes, right? So yeah. the, the country as a whole is contributing towards the education mm -hmm. Mm -hmm of its people uh, whereas in the United States we live in this cavity where uh, we are the you know we are controlling destiny and you know and, and where we go in life and right now uh, the burden of paying for that education falls on the consumer right mm -hmm. on our mm -hmm. ability to mm -hmm. to pay that uh, because uh, in my opinion Uh, the U.S. hasn't placed a very high value mm -hmm. on providing good quality, um, easily accessible education to to its people, uh, because, uh, uh, you know, I don't want to say it's done purposefully that the system is the way it is, but it does create a system of winners and losers, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, it creates a system where. Uh, the better well-off you are, the better well-off your family is, the more well-off you're going to be in the future, right? Because you can afford yeah. these mm -hmm. kind of things. Whereas the less well-off you are, the lesser your ability is to, um, uh, to achieve uh, some level of success when it comes to education in that regard. Uh, so um, yeah, I, I think it's because of where the, the value is placed on education uh, in the U.S. compared to, you know, to other countries and, and why we have to pay uh, or why the consumer rather has to pay for it uh, as opposed to the taxpayers in, in those other countries.